okay? Okay. We're just going to illegally eavesdrop on all of these suburban families, so uh, get your okay. get your monitoring equipment tuned in. Okay, I all right, I got it. Okay, don't no, okay, yeah. God, this is boring. God, can you believe this is how we find aliens? I mean, it's yeah. All, all they've talked about so far is coke and Reese's pieces. Well, yeah. Well, I mean, you have you had some? They're really good. I mean, everybody look. Everybody knows Coke is the most delicious beverage. But I mean, like, how many ways can you work that into a conversation? These kids. I'm gonna say this: Don't eat Reese's pieces and Coke together. No. Oh, bad. Ugh. Yeah, big mistake. And also, um, is is it just my imagination, or is the peanut butter in Reese's pieces way sweeter than regular peanut butter? I mean, I don't. Yeah. The, the Reese's pieces are so sweet it made my teeth hurt. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Let's oh. listen to this one. No, it's just a family fighting. Oh, Ooh. Jesus. Oh, wow. Apparently the, the dad has left the mom for a, a yak. I don't know if... Yeah. Let's write, let, we'll write that down. We'll, we'll okay. report him. Left wife for, yeah, possible yeah, bestiality. Okay. <sighs> We're never finding this alien. You know that, right? <sighs> yeah. Oh, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Go back, go back, go back. Okay. What there? Not, yeah. What's a... It's 1982. <laughs> I felt a need to say that. It sure is. But what is a podcast? I don't know. Maybe we should listen and see what it is. Good idea. Tune that in. Maybe it was a pervert or deformed kid or something. A deformed kid. Maybe uh, an elf or a leprechaun. There's nothing like that, penis breath! Hello, everyone, and welcome to Late Seating. I am Jason Harding. And I'm Steve Shives. And on this show, we take a classic movie and see if it lives up to its reputation, whether or not that reputation is good or bad. And this time around, we're going to take a look at a movie that everyone claims to love. Right, Steve? Everybody does claim to love this movie. It's one of the most uh, allegedly beloved movies ever made. That's right. And what allegedly beloved movie are we looking at? It's, it's, let me see, it's E.T., the Extraterrorist? No, the, the, the extra the terrorist trial. No, extraterrestrial, extraterrestrial. Oh, ET the extraterrestrial. Right. E. the extraterrestrial. The movie that I guess technically just chained Spielberg to his style for the re- for another ten years. <laughs> yeah, for a while. I mean, he, he can't really complain about it all that much because he stole no. his Amblin logo from this movie. Yes, he did. He, he obviously doesn't uh, resent it too much. No, he doesn't. And you know no, what? There's it. nothing that sets up a drama about the Holocaust more than when you open a movie with a little boy and an alien flying across the moon. <laughs> da, 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 da. Poland, 1938. Oh, shit. <laughs> oh, God damn. I thought this was going to be nice. That's not whimsical. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to have another freak out. <laughs> That's right, E.T., the extraterrestrial, that movie that made people have mental breakdowns, including myself when I saw it. Oh, boy, it ruins so many childhoods. It ruins everybody's childhood, even the adults that watched it. <laughs> I can't believe I brought my children to this. <laughs> yeah. So, Steve, do you have any trivia to share with us about Et the Extraterrestrial? <laughs> well, I do have just one little thing to, to mention that a lot of people uh, associate with this movie. Of course, it was a hugely successful film financially and critically, and we'll get into all that, but mm-hmm. one of the few things related to E.T. that was decidedly not a success was yeah. its officially licensed video game. Oh, it, you had to bring up that. It was the subject of one of the worst video games ever made. The uh-huh. video game based on E.T. for the Atari 2600 Yeah, um, was was uh, 
are reported to be unplayable and just one of the most one of the least enjoyable video games of all time. It became I a subject. <laughs> I mean, some people did buy it. it has, somebody had to play it for it to get such a reputation. <laughs> Somebody's gonna play this shit. Make it. And <laughs> it was, but it was reportedly it was it was such a, a, a disaster that it was an, the subject of an urban legend for many years that uh, all uh-huh. of the unsold copies were buried in a landfill in Arizona, uh-huh. which was actually confirmed a few years ago. They they dug up the, the landfill and they discovered there were hundreds uh-huh. of thousands of unsold cartridges. And everybody listening, uh-huh. if you if you want to experience it for yourself this game has been uploaded to the internet archive in their software library so yeah, you can go i'm sure you can play an emulator of this piece of shit game yeah you can oh, and by the way thanks angry video game nerd for that update on this fucking oh you know that's the worst part about that is that <laughs> it became lore and then every fucking person on goddamn youtube had to make a video video yeah. about it and then yeah it was like the plot to the angry video game nerd movie wasn't it like I looking for et care. i think yeah yeah <laughs> I didn't actually watch it because I Neither I'll die. I'll watch I the angry video game sense. <laughs> I'll watch an angry video game nerd video for about five minutes. I'm not investing in a ninety minute movie. Sorry. Yeah, you're like, oh, it's the same thing, but with a different game. <laughs> I wonder if he'll like this one. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have I have trivia. Yeah. Trivia right up Steve's alley. Oh boy. Because Steve likes depressing shit. <sighs> Hit me with it. So, the premise of this movie has an early beginning. you know how early it goes back, Steve? Uh, uh, I don't know. 1960. Oh. A young boy named Steven Spielberg witnesses the the, the destruction uh-huh. of his parents' marriage. Oh, Steven. Yeah, and this upset him so much that he used to play pretend that he had an alien friend that would always be with him and would always support him and agree with him. <laughs> and that eventually became... A movie that he was going to make with, uh, I can't remember the guy's name, but another guy. But it was going to be called Night Skies, mm. and it was going to be a horror movie. And then someone found out the original premise, it was, it was uh, uh, Melissa Matheson. And she said, oh, yeah. hey, you know what would be great? The, the buddy alien and the little kid. That would be sweet. And he went, okay, that's great. But if you ever wanted to know why there's so much divorce talk in this movie, <laughs> that's why. That's Steven Spielberg working out some issues. Steven Spielberg supposedly made amends with his father, but I don't think that's true. (laughs) (laughs) That's something that he told all of us. Because let's think about that for a second. Because his father left after the divorce, he made up a pretend friend. Then he turned that pretend friend into a movie where the father is not present. And in fact, it's implicated that he's a fucking jerk. Then he took that, (laughs) this symbol of divorce misery... And made it the logo for his production company. <laughs> Doesn't exactly say, I forgive you, Dad, does it? <laughs> All right. You ready to go into Who Made It? Let's do it. Let's talk oh. about the Who Made It's. Hooray. It was directed <laughs> by Steven Spielberg. We all knew that. Mm-hmm. Do I need to tell you who he is and what he's made? Nope. Good. He's, produced he's by the Kathleen guy who directed Ken- E.T. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> produced by Kathleen Kennedy and Steven Spielberg. Kathleen Kennedy is in charge of what now, Steve? Uh, Lucasfilm. Yeah. Yeah. She's the one that all of the... All of the- all the alt-right hates because yeah. she's destroying Star Wars or something, I guess. Yeah, but destroying it by making it more profitable than ever. <laughs> <laughs> it was written by Melissa Matheson, who, uh, you guys, uh, she wrote The Black Stallion, 
and she wrote a movie that's very similar to E.T., but I actually like a little bit more than E.T., called Indian in the Cupboard that nobody saw. Oh, I saw that. And she yeah. wrote Kundun, in which she became a Buddhist weirdo. <laughs> 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 no, she was apparently best friends with the Dalai Lama or something. Oh, yeah, and she was also married to Harrison Ford for a while. Yeah. Until he divorced her. Oh, Harrison. And then she died. <laughs> she didn't die because of the divorce. She didn't go, oh, no. <laughs> oh, no, if I can't be Mrs. Harrison Ford, then what am she, I? She died relatively recently from cancer, so that's oh. that's something else for Steve, something sad for Steve. Well, but I hope Harrison divorce, Ford still feels bad Divorce about and cancer. <laughs> <laughs> divorce, cancer, let's load up the depressing shit, come on. <laughs> the only way to keep a smile on Steve's yeah. face. Yeah, tell Any- me more. <laughs> anyway, it's starring Henry Thomas's Elliot. Robert McNaughton as Michael, Drew Barrymore as Gertie, this was her first film, and her first steps into the pit. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. She goes down into a spiral for a little while. Yeah. Alcoholism and cocaine and, oh boy, Hollywood's a monster machine for children, apparently. (laughs) (sighs) But she pulled up. She, yeah. she got better. She danced on David Letterman's desk and showed her boobs, and then showed her boobs in Playboy, and she stopped showing her boobs, and she I think she's like a producer now, right? Yeah, yeah. Dee Wallace as Mary. Now, you'll know her from such great movies as The Howling and Cujo. Yes, and I actually got to meet Dee Wallace a few years ago at a, uh, a, a regional horror convention. Lovely woman. Did you really? Class act, absolutely. She was one of the nicest people of all How long the, ago was this? Oh, five years ago, six years oh, ago. Okay, yeah. can't picture you at a horror convention. I was there. Well, I used to work. I used to do screenwriting for a local uh, production company. We had a oh movie yeah, that's that was right. Screening there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. D. Wallace was there, and uh, who else? Um, Dale Midkiff from Pet Cemetery. Okay, I didn't want the, all the details. He was cool. <laughs> Tony Todd. Okay, that's great. <laughs> I would like to meet Tony Todd, actually. Yeah. Anyway, back to the movie. <laughs> Malcolm McDowell. Okay, God damn it. Ray Wise. Okay, I'm sorry. Ray Wise is in my uh, uh, suggested movie. Oh, yeah? Oh, fuck, I just realized something. What? I, 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 for my recommended movies, I'm actually recommending a movie, and I might like this movie. Uh-oh. I'll have to change my review. <laughs> oh, no. Yes, Jay, alter your review accordingly. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> no, I'll figure something out. Okay. Anyway, anyway, you know, you usually take about 40 to 45 minutes giving your review, so I'll have plenty of time to find a movie not to recommend. It'll be great. I'll try to blather on long enough for you to come up with a new movie. I could easily walk away and run errands, and you will still be talking about the film. How dare you, sir? Just because I have opinions. We share verbosity. It's yes. fine. Um, Peter Coyote as Keys. K.C. Martell as Greg, Sean Fry as Steve, C. Thomas Howell as Tyler. You'll know him from fuck. He's been he was in everything in the eighties. Yeah, he was all over the eighties. Took a little break. He's coming back a little bit. Um, Erica Eleniak El- as the girl Elliot kisses. Cause does she need a name? Nope. <laughs> you're lucky you're in the movie, sweetheart. She's famous for also taking her top off, top off in Playboy, I guess. And she was in Baywatch. Oh, and she was in Baywatch. Great. What a career. Anyway, uh, <laughs> and Pat Welsh, Tamara Detro, Pat Billen, Matthew Demerit, and Caprice Roth as E.T. 
Uh, Pat Welsh was the voice of E.T. Hmm. She was a chain smoker, and she had that great uh, grumbly voice. She also did the voice of Bosch in uh, Return of the Jedi, you know, the fake bounty hunter that was actually oh, yeah. Princess Leia. She did that <clears throat> voice. Uh, guess how much she got paid to be the voice of E.T., Steve? Oh, I don't know. $5 and a pack of Reese's Pieces. No, <laughs> and a carton of cigarettes. A carton of cigarettes. Keep just, smoking. Just give me some smokes. I'll do it for free. 380 bucks. Wow. Yeah, three hundred and eighty dollars. Wow. Fuck you, Hollywood. Anyway, <laughs> she was only the voice of the title character. I don't see why she should have been paid any more than that. Well, we're lucky that ET isn't being made now because then it would be some famous person doing the voice yeah. of ET. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like Howie Mandel or something. Oh my god. <laughs> Music by John Williams. Are you surprised? Nope, because Steven Spielberg's career would fall apart like so many crumbly pieces of cheese in your hand. I don't know why cheese. I'm grasping. Anyway. I think Spielberg should have to share his Oscars with John Williams. He really should. I mean. Cinematography by Alan DeVoe. Edited by Carol Littleton. Production company Universal Pictures. And distributed by Universal Pictures. Release date June 11th, 1982. Running time 114 minutes box office 10 point i'm sorry budget 10.5 million dollars box office fuck (laughs) a lot (laughs) 792.9 million dollars and it became the highest grossing movie of all time for a really really long time didn't it steve i was the highest grossing movie of the 80s yeah now, I distinctly remember in intermediate school, I think when I was in seventh grade, we got these little flyers that would ask, if you had an alien friend, what would you guys do, right? And it was like from, it was like a studio thing. Ah. Now, I don't think they were doing that to write the script. When I was younger, I thought, oh, they did that. They stole our ideas and wrote a script. <laughs> I don't think that was it. I think that was just fucking pre-warming an audience Yeah. for the idea of this this buddy comedy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, for this dr- drama? This, Sci-fi drama? Whatever it is. Whatever the fuck this thing is. This whimsical love letter to childhood? Yeah. Sure. Come on, Steve. Let's get on our BMX bikes. Oh, boy. Let's play some Dungeons and Dragons. Let's be the basis <laughs> of inspiration for Stranger Things. Oh, boy, howdy. <laughs> Big time. And let's ride into the world of E.T., the extraterrestrial. Steve? Take it away. After some surprisingly modest low-key credits. Nothing explodes, nothing catches on fire. Just words on a screen and it's over in like a minute. It's just like, title. Set set to spooky music. Yeah. Like, when you go in, you're like, "Uh uh-oh. Wait a minute. I thought this this was going to... Is it going to be like the alien from Aliens? Because fuck, that little kid's dead. (laughs) I I thought this was going to be heartwarming. Oh, God, I wish this movie had the alien from Aliens and they had a friendship. That would be so Oh, man, that would have been so much better. (laughs) And the alien was exactly the same, but he was just friends with Elliot. Yeah, and nobody else. (laughs) Nobody else. Oh, come on, E.T., why'd you have to kill my brother? Oh, jeez, everyone's up in cocoons. That's not canon. That was from the cutscene. Shut up! (laughs) Shut up! Nobody cares, nerd. (laughs) 
<sighs> anyway, spooky music, regular letters. Yeah, spooky music, regular letters, and then we 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 see uh, what the spooky music was referring to because we see uh-huh. that this movie is set in the suburbs, and that no, and the, what's see, scarier we than pan the down to the we no. pan down to a forest. Yes, there there's we see the spaceship. There's a spaceship in the forest. Mm-hmm. E.T.'s log, Stardate 2875. We've stopped at a primitive planet to collect biological samples. Little did we know that the native inhabitants were watching us. Exactly. E.T. is is on an away mission, and unfortunately, (laughs) the rest of his landing party leaves without him. He is uh, off collecting, like, he's he's fascinated by, like... We see inside the ship. They've got a freaky arboretum in there. Yeah, and they're, they're stealing they, our plants. They're botanists, right? They're yeah. stealing our plants. <laughs> These aliens come from another world, and they got steal an idea our for plants. a movie, fellas. It's called Mars Needs Plants. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. So they're here to steal seeds. No, they're, they're taking our plants. <laughs> they're just pulling trees right out of the ground. So what happens in the movie? Well, I just kind of, I kind of wrestle one to the ground and I punch it in the face for about two hours. <laughs> Let go of you that do? tree. You're the writer producer. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be me just punching an alien in the face for two hours. You do? Saying, stay away from my ficus. <laughs> it's called Steven Spielberg kicks alien ass. <laughs> I think, I think it's time for you to take a rest there, Barry. No. <laughs> Leave me alone. I just don't want them touching my plants, that's all. Yeah, so they're there and they're fucking stealing our plants. So what, yeah. what happens? Well, the, yeah, the, uh, a group of people drive up nearby. Yeah. Amps great, um, fellas, it's the fuzz. Yeah, exactly. And, oh, uh, one of these people, we get repeated shots of this person's crotch. Uh, so many so many shots. I see, got balls that jingle, jingle, jangle, jangle. jingle. <laughs> we see keys hanging from his belt, and that's how he's yeah. identified. But when we were watching this uh, the other night, my, I was watching it with my wife, and she, after like the third or fourth shot of this guy of, of the keys, she says, "All right, we get it. He has a crotch." <laughs> <laughs> So when these humans show up, the aliens scram. They run back onto the ship, and they're like, mm-hmm. let's beat it, fellas. But unfortunately, they they leave someone behind. They're like, hurry up. And he's like, I'm running as fast as I can. I've got tiny legs. It's amazing <laughs> that I'm moving as fast as I am. <laughs> How did you all get up there so fast? They also have glowy chests. We forgot yes. to mention that. They've got yes. glowy chests, and you can see their lungs and hearts. And it's so gross. It's sweet, I guess. So gro- it's gross. It's super gross to see someone's internal organs. Yeah, it's true. It also doesn't make any sense. Why does their heart with chest glow when they're talking to each other? I don't know. You know, it it was also it was the basis for a Neil Diamond song. No, why I was wondering if you're going to bring that shit up. God damn it! I'm sorry to I'm sorry to bring down the podcast with reference. You brought to it the up. Exi- now you have to sing it <laughs> with reference to the existence of Neil Diamond. But you can um, skip over what I said all you want. Sing yeah. the goddamn song. Turn on your hard light. Let uh-huh. it shine wherever you go. Okay. Uh, anyway. No. <laughs> the you whole want, thing. You want to do the I'm whole paying song? for it. <laughs> you didn't get clearance for this. We can't sing this song. <sighs> anyway. Anyway, yeah. so they leave. They're like, so long, sir. And they take off. Yeah, and that's yeah, bye, E.T., you fuck. Mm-hmm. And yeah. that's when we see the suburbs. Yeah, that's right. In Which the is the, the setting for every movie in the 80s. <laughs> uh-huh. And oh, look, <laughs> we know it's the 80s because there's C. Thomas Howell. <laughs> <laughs> ah, 1982, I know it well. And there's a bunch of jerky kids sitting around a table, drinking garbage, eating shit. 
And playing D and D. And and neglecting poor young Elliot. Fuck Elliot, he's a jerk. Oh. He's a jerk. But he's not included in their reindeer games, so we have to feel No, they do include him. him. They say, here, take this money and go get us a pizza, and then you can play. Get your character set up. They're not excluding him. They put him to work. Oh, wah, wah. He has to go and get a pizza. (laughs) I'm sorry that the privileged white kid in the suburbs has to go walk a whopping 20 feet to go pick up a fucking pizza. He had to walk all the way to the end of his driveway. And you have no sympathy for this child. That's what he's telling his kids now. <laughs> when I was, I had to walk age. all the way to the end of my driveway to get my pizza. Also, uh, my best friend, my best alien friend, died and then came back and then had to leave. <laughs> Dad's crying about something weird again. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just leave him alone. <laughs> anyway, yeah. so yeah, um, he, he goes out and he get he waits for the pizza guy. He gets the pizza. And before he can go back in the house, he hears a noise in the backyard. In the tool shed. In in the in the in the the, the perpetually lit shed. Yeah, <laughs> like always, lights on. Always has a light on. And uh, he goes to see what it is, and he picks up like a baseball and tosses it into the shed. And something in the shed tosses it back. <sighs> uh oh! And he freaks out. Yeah. And he runs. He runs to the uh, runs to the guys, and he's like, "There's something outside." And they're like. Cool, let's go kill it. So they grab knives. <laughs> yes, exactly. Ah, oh, children. And uh, the mother's like, don't with the knives. Why? Be careful. Bye. <laughs> if you kill something, don't bring it in the house. Do they find the alien? They stab it to death with knives. The end. The end. A Steven Spielberg film. No, no, they see nothing. There's nothing there. And they. Oh, uh, no. And, and Michael, uh, the older brother of Elliot, uh, hypothesizes that it must be a coyote. Yeah, the coyotes are back, Mom. Yeah. And she's like, oh, no, get the gun. (laughs) Not the coyotes. This biker gang drives up called the coyotes. We're going to get you and your family. There's another movie right there. We could have gone with that one. Oh, boy. E.T. could have fought the coyote gang. That would have been the sequel. (laughs) He's just blowing them apart with his mind powers. (laughs) E.T. to the revenge. Home. Ouch. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> anyway. Um what happens after that? Uh well the um Elliot goes back out. Yeah. After everybody goes to bed, he hears that he hears a noise again. That's right. And and he goes uh doesn't he he go he goes into the, the corn. Near, next to their house, they have like a cornfield next to their house because it's like uh-huh. field of dreams or something. And he goes to he, and he finds he sees the creature, the alien ET in the in the woods. Right. And they have a, a moment where they both freak each other out. They both see each other and scream and go running off in opposite directions. Mm-hmm. And then Elliot decides after like thirty seconds, he's like, "Actually, I wasn't scared at all. I'm filled with wonder." <laughs> filled with wonder because <laughs> he's like gazing up dreamily at the sky, like hmm. <laughs> Uh, okay, so what does he do next, Steve? Okay, and now so that he's he, filled up with wonder, he well he goes on an on an alien hunt the next day. Ooh. Uh, he rides his bike out to the forest and he leaves mm-hmm. a trail of Reese's pieces. That's Reese's pieces. Hey, M and M's. That could have been you, you fuckheads. You yeah. stupid shits. That's right. Apparently, M and M's turned it down because they thought that people would think ET was too ugly or too scary or something. And they, yeah, and they, they're dumb and they're fucking morons. But then again, they probably watched 1941 right before that. Went, oh, eh, we're good. 
Yeah, look, we're good. The Spielberg guy's going nowhere. <laughs> they want to. Okay, look, the guy that made 1941. He wants us to use his kid, our candy in his movie about some alien that molests a kid. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna turn that one down next. Meanwhile, Hershey's is like, please sell our uh, atrociously sweet peanut butter candy, please. <laughs> Make people buy our not M&M's. And while he's out there, he sees the he's, Keys guy. He sees Mr. Keys. That's right, and he's kicking around some dirt, and he's like, oh no! And also right there, we see a weird hand. Yeah, yeah. Ooh. <laughs> not just laying there, it's E.T.'s It's hand. just a severed hand just laying there on the, on the road. Then we pan a little bit. <laughs> no, I'm not going to go there. We'll be here all day if I if I reference that, so we're not doing it. <laughs> so we cut back to the house. The family's yeah. having a family dinner. Yeah. And uh, they're all talking, and um, he's trying to convince them that he did see an alien, and they're like, shut up. And <laughs> You're a shut, you little liar. We meet Gertie, who's his little sister. Yeah. He's cute as a button. Like, literally cute as a button. I had forgotten how cute yeah. she was in this movie. Yes, and so precocious. Uh-huh. And they start getting in a fight, and then Elliot turns into a fucking jerk. Oh, boy. He drops... He mentions his dad. Yeah. He says, Dad would believe me. And she's like, well, then why don't you go fucking find him? He's balls deep in his secretary in Mexico. <laughs> <laughs> was it something I said? Uh-huh. Uh, and then she gets up to go cry, because apparently this is a fresh divorce. And quite rightly, Michael gets up and says, I'm going to slit your throat when we're done. Oh, you fucking mutt, you bastard. You little asshole. You had to bring up the divorce uh-huh. at the dinner table. Uh-huh. Here, figure this out. He left. He's an asshole. Stop missing him. <laughs> Put two and two together, you little self-absorbed jackass. <laughs> Again, probably not the best indication that Spielberg had worked through his issues <laughs> with his father. I when I first saw this before they they said the Mexico thing, I was like, "Hey, maybe Dad is the dude that went up with the aliens in Close Encounter." Hey, <laughs> this is the aftermath. That it's one of those uh, low key under the radar sequels. Yeah, and up on the ship, the aliens are like, "Wait, wait, 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 wait! You left your family behind? <laughs> <laughs> what the hell, man?" Let's call them long-necked aliens to send a friend down for that kid, because they're going to be fucked up. (laughs) Your family is messed up, and it's your fault. (laughs) Anyway, we're going to review that movie eventually, but back to this one. Um, Okay, so so, so Elliot's outside again that night. Yeah. And And he's like, fuck my family. i got to lure the alien into the house. Yeah, exactly. My mom can cry all night. I don't give a shit. Yeah, she can weep openly. Yeah. And talk about how dad used to hit her in the face. Yeah, I don't (laughs) care. I don't care. I still like dad. Dad's still my favorite. I don't care. (laughs) Dad's my favorite. I haven't seen him in months. So he's he doesn't out, call. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Apparently, I don't even really know anything about him. Or <laughs> we don't know. even bother to show a picture of him. We never see him. We never learn his name. He does not appear in the movie at all. <laughs> Spielberg invited his father to premiere of ET. He's like, "Huh? Look, then there's not even a picture of the father." <laughs> it was just Spielberg glaring at his father across the aisle for the entire movie. Just, <laughs> what do you think, Dad? <laughs> What'd you think of the father exactly? <sighs> And uh, so uh, the little alien wobbles up. Yeah. He's like, give give me some more Reese's Pieces, you little shit. No, no. No, He he hands some Reese's Pieces back to Elliot. I saved you some. Yeah. Yeah. And then Elliot's like, wow, cool. (laughs) And then uh, he lures him up into his room. And my dogs start barking. 
because fuck this recording. <laughs> just like in the movie. Yeah, just like in the movie with the dog whose name I forgot. Do you remember the dog's name? No, I don't. But I like like as as usually happens whenever there is a dog in a background role in a movie. I always mm-hmm. wish that we saw more of the dog. <laughs> more dog, please. You know, just do. He's I a magic warping doing. dog. We'll yeah. get into that later. <laughs> anyway, uh, he goes up. He gets him into the room and um, then dies of an alien virus. Poor, poor Elliot. <laughs> I mean, you just can't have unrestricted contact with alien creatures like that. You don't know what's going to happen. No, especially with E.T. fingering him all over the place. Yeah, He's like bound to die of something. That glowing finger's got to be radioactive. <laughs> yeah, if you think about I it, mean, how much shit. radiation is coming out of that finger? Like, why is it so bright? Come on. <laughs> I've seen bioluminescence. Yeah. It doesn't look like that. It's a lot, yeah. <laughs> so he's got anyway, E.T. Yeah, yeah he goes up there. He they, That's when E.T., uh, uh, makes his psychic connection with Elliot, right? Yeah, I and guess. Elliot, yeah. <laughs> Elliot falls asleep, and then, uh-oh, the evil, Mr. Evil Keys, let's just say that. Mr. Evil Keys <laughs> has gotten the metal detector brigade searching for, uh, you know, I guess the alien with metal detectors. Yeah, my theory is that the alien is metal. But instead, they done found some of the Reese pieces. Yeah. Oh, that a clue. Put out. And he eats one. <laughs> he had Gross. To test it. He had to test it to make sure that's what it was. To, mm, this yeah. smells like a. Looks like an M M&M. and M. Holy shit! That's sweet. <laughs> he's like a Reese. Oh, it's a Reese's piece, and he spits it out. Oh God. Next morning, um, Elliot teaches kids all over the country how to fake being sick to stay home from school. Oh boy, the abs- absenteeism exploded. In the 80s as a result of this movie. He convinces his mom is sick by holding a heating pad to his face and warming up the thermometer on the lamp that sits above his bunk bed, right? Yeah, it's actually ingenious. I don't know if any child would be that brilliant to fake. I I learned it from this fucking movie. I'm just saying, before this movie, like, who thought to, I know what I'll do. I'll, I'll, you know, jack the thermometer with the light bulb from my lamp and I'll put a heating pad on my face. Oh, look at that. You're 205 degrees. Oh, well, (laughs) I guess you can't stay home. According to medical science, you should be dead. Or on fire, I don't... Oh, well. (laughs) Fire? Oh, you better just rest up. And because it was the 80s, he got to stay home by himself. Yes. That's right. So, uh, now we have little bits of Elliot showing stuff to E.T. around his room, and he basically does a checklist of my entire childhood. (laughs) (laughs) Because he starts showing him the Star Wars figures. Yeah. He's like... Oh, I had that one. Oh, I had that one. I had that one, too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And if you guys say, hey, Boba Fett was barely in any movies, he's in this one, too. He gets name bombed. He gets name bombed. Yeah, he's in this one more than he was in any of the Star Wars movies. <laughs> That's right. <sighs> and the entire time I'm watching this scene, because he's like, here, this is a shark. And it's like, that's not a shark, it's a toy. And it eats a fish, and he puts it in the thing, and he's like, and here's another thing, and here's this, and here's that. And I'm like, god damn, E.T. is patient. Yeah, and this it's kid like, is just breezing through, like, and then, and here's a car. <laughs> we drive around in cars, and it's a, whoa, slow down, it's, kid. It's a toy, and you can't get in there. It's not how you get around. Stop it. <laughs> E.T. knows most of this is wrong. Mm-hmm. Like, he's, you know, he's observed yeah. our culture. He's like, wait a minute. No, no, no. But now it's time for the brother and the sister to find out about the E.T. Yes. And they don't handle that well right away. No, there's a lot of screaming. There's a lot of screaming. Yeah. And then hijinks, because mom, mom gets home. 
Our mom's home. Yeah. And she's coming into the room. I wonder why my children are screaming. <laughs> <laughs> and then they all get forced into the closet because they have a shared closet with Gertie's room, yeah. I guess. Or Elliot and Gertie have a shared closet. Yeah. And then um, there's uh, hijinks, and then they torture a doll to convince Gertie to not tell anybody. Mm-hmm. Ah, childhood. We're going to kill your doll if you don't play uh-huh. ball, Gertie. And they're all like, hey, we're from here on Earth. Later, this is later. And he, he's like, check this out. And he makes a bunch of Play-Doh balls fly around to demonstrate where he's from. And they're like, fuck burgers. <laughs> <laughs> he's a magic alien. He's an alien. Chompy, you do magic things. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> yes. Oh, God damn it. It was only a matter of time. Anyway, uh... What happens then? Oh, and then Ellie goes in the backyard because E.T. gets scared and he discovers the metal detector brigade. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Next day, Ellie goes to school and they meet down at the bus stop and all the kids are down there and a girl says hello to Elliot and because Elliot's a self-absorbed jerk, he doesn't say hi back to her. And then he rides his bike to school and Michael gets on to a school bus and it's very apparent when we cut to the inside of the school bus that the school bus driver has completely lost control of that bus. Yeah, yeah. There, this one of the, that school bus is a madhouse. One, Steve. Of, one of the themes of this movie is uh, ineffectual adults because yeah, you can say that again because Elliot's mom is basically an oblivious parent who has no control over her children, and this bus it's driver. It's the eighties. The kids run the show. Well, I mean, I know why he did it visually. It was the highlight that Michael had was contending with a lot of stuff. He's very, he looks very concerned, and he's looking out the window, and he's distracted. Meanwhile, the other kids are have become a just a monkey house where they're just not even sitting in seats. They're just throwing things everywhere. I've rode on plenty of public school buses. That behavior is not tolerated, Steve. <laughs> no. So, so unrealistic. <laughs> Um, uh, so then we go, oh, wait, then E.T. does something. Yeah, E.T. makes himself at home. Yeah, he kind of makes himself at home. He goes downstairs, and he's testing out food, and what he doesn't like, he gives to the dog, and then he finds beer. Oh, boy. And he starts drinking beer. And then we cut back to the school, in which they're going to dissect a frog. Yes. And I was listening to the teacher during this scene, and he said, Hey, um, you're going to see that the heart's still beating, but don't worry. And I'm like, oh, wait a minute. If um, the heart's still beating, that's not a dissection, that's a vivisection. Yeah, that's pretty <laughs> fucked up to make kids do that. It's a real fucking fucked up thing. <laughs> Because he's given each kid a, uh, a frog in a jar, and then he starts putting chloroform into the into the jars, and he says, oh, they'll just go to sleep. They won't feel a thing. Like, God, you Light are like... sack are, are, of shit. You sicko. Are you like a Nazi biology teacher? Like, well, who would make children do this? this is <laughs> they like, won't feel anything. <laughs> don't worry, children. It is for science. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And meanwhile, E.T.'s drunk watching some TV. Yep. And we cut back to Elliot, and because they're feeling things at the same time, they start feeling the same things, and Elliot's looking at the frog, and now he's talking to the frog, and then he becomes an animal rights activist, and he's like, let's release all the frogs, we've got to save them, right? Yeah, and everybody frees their frogs. Yeah, and then uh, uh, Elliot becomes a sexual predator. Yeah. (laughs) He grabs a girl that's running away, 
spins her around and plants a big old kiss on her. Yeah. Which, you know... And she liked it. Yeah. Oh, Elliot, finally. My womanhood has opened up. I'm ten. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Anyway... And so Elliot's life had peaked. But the reason he did it was because he's watching the quiet man on TV. Right, yeah. And sees them that scene, and then it worked out in, in that... Yeah, he's, he he was John Wayne, and she was Maureen McGovern, or whoever was... Who was it? Who was the... Yeah. Yeah, the yeah, female lead in The Quiet Man. Maureen O'Sullivan. Mar- Maureen O'Sullivan. Yeah, sorry. Maureen O'Sullivan. Yeah. Maureen O'Govern, I don't know who that is. I don't know. I, I might <laughs> I have just... I think maybe Elizabeth Montgomery. Elizabeth Montgomery. I don't know. Bewitched. Let's not dwell on it. I'm dwelling. <laughs> anyway. Um, and then E.T. fucks up a C and say? Yes, he does. He just takes that fucking thing apart. And then um, he's really Elliot's destructive mom. when he's drunk. He just he yeah. just tears things to pieces. And he's really drunk. He's like walking into walls and shit. Yeah. And then Elliot's mom comes home with Gertie, who ignored the promise that she made, and is trying to tell mom about this little squashy. We haven't even described ET. Do we need to? No. Yeah. Okay. Great. <laughs> he's ET. <laughs> Look at your he's pajamas e. from the eighties. That's ET. <laughs> um. And we discover a couple of things about Elliot's mom. That she's blind. Yes. And deaf. <laughs> she's she's a dangerously incompetent parent, especially with so young a child. E.T. walks past her twice in this scene where yeah. she's loading groceries into the goddamn refrigerator, and she doesn't notice. She's distracted. She's very busy. That this wheezing, drunken <laughs> alien... <laughs> For a second, I thought your father was home. (laughs) But then she gets a call, and the call goes something like this. Uh, Yeah, ma'am, I know that you uh, recently divorced, uh, but apparently Elliot needs psychiatric care because he's at school and he's drunk, and he released a bunch of toads, and then he uh, sexually assaulted one of his classmates, and uh, come get him. (laughs) We just don't. We can't deal. No. We're not equipped to punish him for the crimes he's committed. And then to lend support to Steve's theory that she's a bad parent, she wheels around and says to the five-year-old, Gertie, stay here. I'm going to go get your brother. Yeah. Uh, the school <laughs> the school is far enough away that the kid has to ride the bus. So this isn't just like a five-minute trip Look, quick unlike there and back. You, you coddled millennials. My generation got left home way early. <laughs> I never even met my parents until I was 12. That's right. They locked me in a room. I had to earn my my ability to see my parents. When I woke up, they were already gone, left for work. <laughs> until I was sick, my parents was the food slot. <laughs> the food slot. <laughs> oh, boy. Food House would drop again. in, and until I answered the question, what is the true nature of existence, I wouldn't be let out. <laughs> but that's how I learned. You kids today. <laughs> You're so spoiled. <laughs> Anyway, in the five minutes while she's gone picking up Elliot, Gertie teaches E.T. how to talk. Yeah. Mm-hmm. With a little help from the TV. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. He just, he's a fast learner. He watches Sesame Street for like two minutes yeah. and he learns how to talk. Yeah. So Elliot comes home and Gertie is also in that five minutes, dressed him in drag. Yes. And then he finds out E.T. can talk. And then he says, I'm going to call you E.T. Yep. Why? Who knows? Steve? No. 
No. Why, all of a sudden, he decides, E.T., can you say that? E.T., that's your name. Why? Because he saw the poster that they had designed. Aside, the okay, department. aside from that's what the title of this fucking movie is, why did he suddenly come up with the name E.T.? Because Elliot was a great admirer of the great classic Hollywood producer Ernest Thalberg, <laughs> and he wanted to honor that by naming his alien friend E.T. Okay, you don't see this don't as know. just a massive, huge... This is... Okay, it, yeah, guys, it comes out of nowhere. Spielberg like, does this all the goddamn time. He just relies on the audience to know something that isn't in the movie. Yeah. And his reliance was, oh, the movie's called E.T. to the Extraterrestrial, so we don't need a scene explaining where the fuck this little kid came up with the name E.T. Just call right? him E.T., fuck it. Fuck <laughs> it. Far be it for me to suggest that since they already had a scene taking place in science class, they could have mm-hmm. had a sh- just like a shot of Elliot browsing through a textbook and happened upon the term That's extraterrestrial. Yeah. Right. Yeah. No, we can't. No, Steve, it would break the narrative flow. It would have added like five whole seconds to the running time. Uh-huh. Anyway... <laughs> <laughs> Michael comes home, and now that the gang's all here, E.T. gets to say the line that everybody knows. Right, Steve? Oh, boy, yeah. The the, the catchphrase, to end all catchphrases from the movie. And that is? E.T. phone home. And to nail it home, the children all say it about <laughs> 20 more nine times. million more times. What did he say? E.T. phone e- home? E.T. phone home? E.T. phone home? E.T. phone home. E.T. phone home. It goes on like that for about five minutes. And then so finally, okay. finally, E.T. is like... Yes, that's what I said. <laughs> I'm glad he we're needed, all on the same page. I would love E.T. a lot more if he was less sweet and more eye-rolling. <laughs> just sort of, he, he he loses patience just momentarily here and there. like Eye-roll, head in hands, uh, <laughs> just slowly shaking his head. <laughs> I'm never going to get home. I'm going to die here. <laughs> What did I do um, to deserve this? Yeah. Yeah. But uh-oh, the Metal Detector Brigade has a van. Oh, no. They've escalated their shit to illegal surveillance, haven't they? Uh, yeah, they're, they're listening. They're eavesdropping on uh, people. On houses. On, on, in the neighborhood, yeah. Yeah, just listening to their conversations, jerking off. <laughs> Meanwhile, Elliot's mom indulges in some foreshadowing. <laughs> Not just for E.T., but for Spielberg's career, because about ten years after this, he makes a lovely little movie called Hook. Ah, ooh, yeah, that's right. She's reading, yeah, she's reading Peter Pan. She's reading Peter Pan? Yeah. And Elliot and, um, oh, and they, uh, we also, wait, wait a minute, wait. What? Did we skip something? Did we? Is this before or after we have the scene between Mike and Elliot in the garage? Oh, yeah, but, yeah, because apparently, um, E.T., communicates to the kids that he wants to he wants to build like a machine to help him phone mm-hmm. home to help him contact his people so they're That's going right. through the garage looking for shit that he could use to cobble together uh mm-hmm. you know an alien communicator yeah and then uh elliot finds his dad's shirt and they get all wistful for this jackass who left them <laughs> and uh and evil keys is listening to that conversation yeah and then they bring all that stuff up mom reads the story et um E.T. and Elliot are in the closet listening to the story. They're talking, and then E.T. fingers Elliot. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, okay, fine. Elliot cuts his finger on a saw blade. Yeah. 
E.T. goes, he goes ouch, E.T. goes ouch, and he takes his little finger and he heals his finger like Jesus. Yeah, because E.T. is a magic alien, as we've because, seen. Yeah, he's he's magic alien. He's a magic alien. And so, um, then E.T. makes a thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's an engineer, apparently. He's No, he's a botanist. He's, oh, I read the book. Yes, he is a bot, but he also... I fucking read the book, but he, Steve. But, but he, <laughs> this is the biggest movie in 1982. I fucking read the book. But he has some expertise, right, in the field of electrical engineering. Well, yeah, because he's one of them super geniuses. Yeah. Well, just like in movies, when you're smart in one field, you're smart in every field. Right. Yeah. And now it's time for some trick-or-treat shenanigans. Oh, boy. It's Halloween, apparently. Yeah, by the way. <laughs> mm-hmm. So the plan is is that Elliot is going to sneak E.T. out of the house because E.T. is going to be disguised as a ghost, and they're going to pretend that it's Gertie. And then uh, Mike, Mike is dressed up like a hobo, and, and Elliot's dressed up like a guy who did not try yeah, on his costume. <laughs> I know he's just got some like, m- like he's got a hoodie, yeah, and some makeup on his like, face, he, and that's about it. He's maybe like a half-ass zombie, if you want to be. And mom apparently yeah. has a date because she's dressed up like a cat lady. Ooh. Yeah, and sh- despite the fact that ET is a full foot shorter than Gertie, <laughs> yes, and has an obviously flat head, <laughs> she doesn't notice. Yeah, have fun, you kids. <laughs> Confirming that she's blind. So now I have this great scene where E.T.'s walking down the street with all the other kids that are trick-or-treating. And it's time for the unintentional Yoda paradox. Ah, uh, <laughs> yes. So, this is going to take a little explanation, guys. In the movie, there's a little kid dressed up like Yoda from Star Wars. Yes. We've already established that Star Wars is a toy line in the movie because Elliot's playing with Star Wars toys in the movie, right? Right. And so, as they're walking down the thing, it's a funny little thing. In 1982, uh, E.T. sees Yoda, and he starts going home, home, and starts walking after Yoda. It's actually quite funny still now. Yeah, it is. So, George Lucas apparently never actually watched (laughs) E.T. And Steven Spielberg has reached this point in his friendship with George Lucas, where when George Lucas calls and asks if he can do something, he's just like, yeah, whatever, George. (laughs) Because George wanted to put the E.T. aliens in the Senate scene as an Easter egg in the... Was it the Phantom Menace? Yeah, in that big uh, Senate scene, yeah. Yeah, so can we start seeing the paradox problems? Hmm. <laughs> so, uh, the only way we can explain it is this. The E.T. people... <laughs> <laughs> that the Star Wars stuff happened a long time ago, just like it says in the movies. Absolutely, yes. And coincidentally, (laughs) we made a series of films about them. No, George Lucas is a prophet who was just just dramatizing true events that were revealed to him that had happened in the galaxy far, far away. This is one of those things that... um, kind of was one of my first things was like when people were all talking about there are E.T. aliens in the Venom Menace and I started thinking oh boy a lot of people hadn't seen E.T. because they don't remember that this it doesn't make a whole lot of sense right? <laughs> well I mean you know it's just one of those little Easter eggs like, isn't there in a in a, a battle scene in one of the Star Trek movies isn't there like a, a really quick shot of the Millennium Falcon that they snuck in there you know so I mean I guess. I think it's in first contact in that fact. I know the, the, that there's an R2-D2 glued on the mothership in Close Encounters. Yeah, so there's just, just you know. 
It's yeah. the mystery science it's, theater mantra. Repeat to yourself, it's just a show. Yeah. <laughs> if we do that, we have no review show. <laughs> we can't do that. We have to take this shit seriously. Okay. okay. So also we, we mentioned, uh, Mike mentions to E.T. that E.T.'s not looking terribly good. Yeah. He's never sounded terribly good. No. He's really working hard to breathe. Yeah. The entire time we've seen him, he's always like, eh. oh, shit. Yeah. Fuck. God damn it. Yeah. And this planet is nothing but pain. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Please let me go. <laughs> so um, then they meet up, exchange girdies. <laughs> yes. Um, and Elliot takes off on his bike with E.T. in the basket in the front, which is actually a milk crate. Yes. And they're going to the woods to set up the machine, right? Yeah. But almost instantaneously after leaving Mike, it, one, gets dark. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, it was a long bike ride. <laughs> and two, he drives right off a cliff or something. <laughs> He's yeah. just like, oh, no. <laughs> and then we get this scene, right? Steve? Yeah, the that's the Amblin Entertainment logo scene. Yeah, where e- yeah it's, it's exactly. E.T. E- e- makes the, he levitates yeah. the bike. They go flying through the sky. They pass in front of the moon in that iconic shot. Oh, yeah. Yep. John Williams. John Williams is the hell out of it. Oh, fuck yeah. And so then they land, and um, uh, they set up the machine. And uh, this is... Um, when E.C. E.T. starts to realize that uh, Elliot's getting a little clingy, <laughs> and so is here. the music. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Elliot's like, "You're never leaving." And he starts breaking the machine. You're never leaving, E.T. I don't care if you're sick. I don't care if you're gonna die. I'm gonna hold your corpse forever. <laughs> we'll die together, me and you, buddy. <laughs> we'll go out in a blaze of glory. Next morning. Elliot wakes up and he's alone. <gasps> no E.T. E.T.'s gone. Cut back to the house, and a cop is there. And a cop's like, so you guys were divorced, huh? <laughs> <laughs> when was the last time you saw your kid? And she's like, I don't know where he is. He may have run away because of the divorce, because he's a little jerk like that. Yeah, he threw it in my face the other night, little That's prick. right. Do you know his father burned me with an iron once because I <laughs> accidentally made him what he didn't want for dinner? The kids still love him, though. I like, hate him. With, I hate Elliot. I hate my own son. <laughs> I hope, I hope he doesn't come him. back. <laughs> don't you know what? Don't don't hurt yourself looking for him. I reported it. That's what I'm legally. If someone called in do. a ransom, I'd pay him to keep him. <laughs> <laughs> uh, sorry, wrong number. Click. <laughs> anyway, Elliot shows up. Yeah, and he's still sick. Yeah, he's oh, not well, no, good. he's actually sick now. Yeah, he's not looking too good. Yeah, and um, he goes to Mike and he says, E.T.'s not here. Where He's not here. You gotta go find him, Mike. And Mike's like, okay, and he gets on his bike and now it's Mike to the rescue. Yeah, it's and Mike's he, time to shine. And the metal detector brigade is following him, but he loses them. I don't yeah. think intentionally. I don't think he realizes he's being followed, does he? He doesn't seem to, because he doesn't... Yeah. There, there's not, like, that shot of, like, he looks behind him. He's like, oh, yeah. you know, yeah. yeah. And he so just, now he, Mike's looking all over for E.T. and he finds the thing and finds E.T.'s costume and he's like, holy shit. And then he's riding along and he looks down into the riverbank and he finds Laura Palmer's body and he's oh like, that's God. not E.T. Yeah, <laughs> forget that. Not yet. That doesn't come here yet. We're still seven or eight years away from that. He finds seven or eight corpses left by Buffalo Bill. And then finally. <laughs> <laughs> not yet. Not yet. That's 90s shit. <laughs> Excuse me, little dead alien. I've got to dump this body. 
You want a phone home? Sure, you can um. use my phone. <laughs> oh, fuck me. <laughs> we were not the right people to watch this movie. <laughs> I'm slightly outside the target audience. But I, boy, I could think of a really good Silence of the Lambs joke for this. <laughs> Okay, uh, anyway, Mike finds him. He's pale. He's yeah. laying in the water. There's a raccoon eating him or something. <laughs> yeah, they're, uh, I'm just watching him. I'm just watching him for you, buddy. <laughs> Rocket raccoons, they're going, take it easy, buddy. <laughs> hey, is this your friend? He's pretty messed up. I've called my friends. We're going to pick you up. We're going to get you the fuck off this planet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, look, me and the other raccoons know people, okay? We can help you. Look, we got an opening. Groot's gone, and we need another monosyllabic <laughs> magic alien. <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> yeah. Oh boy. <sighs> anyway, so Mike brings E.T. home mm-hmm. and then Mike the the reveal of E.T. to your mother could have gone better. <laughs> it's slightly. Mike goes, You gotta promise not to freak out, okay? But I'm gonna show I'm gonna lead you into the bathroom. We're gonna find a half dead alien on the floor and your half dead son half naked in the same room. Okay, so you might like freak out a little bit. <laughs> Just, try Don't, to okay? Keep He's cool. control, okay? Yeah. <laughs> they open the door. E.T.'s like, Mom. <laughs> yeah, and she's like, Oh shit. I don't remember having that. Oh, no. She grabs kids, she runs out, but oh no, Steve. Door-to-door astronauts. Oh, they're being invaded by astronauts. They get to the door, and it's there's the an astronaut there. <laughs> and then they start Frankenstein walking their way into the house. It's astronaut zombies, they're everywhere. Astro zombies, get it right. Astro zombies. <laughs> um, and then, okay, so this leads to one of my funnier moments. We cut to this ooh, this compelling, compelling scene. It's sunset, and we see these helmets coming up over the, a rise in the road, right? Yeah. And they're all marching, and you're like, oh, shit. The metal detector brigade is not fucking around no, anymore. No, they have arrived. Yeah, and they cut back to inside the house, and people are all like, ooh, boo, boo, boo. They cut back to the road, and the hard hat guys are rolling the hermetic um, gangway down the street. Right. Right? Right. Why? I don't have any idea. You got it. Why, why are half of movie. them walking and half of them in cars? Why did they stop half a mile away from the from the house and go? Well, you know, we could deliver this hermetically sealed tube in yeah. a truck. No, you're going to roll it <laughs> because Steven Spielberg said it'll be a cool shot and no one will care. You're going to roll it like children all the <laughs> way up to the house. <laughs> why did we park a quarter of a mile away? Shut up! That made no Shut sense. Up, okay. So just- they have a big driveway. Have you seen no that? No we've never found a fucking alien. We missed everything that happened at Devil's Tower that last time. Because <laughs> you had to park and walk. We had to have it relayed to us by some French guy who could barely speak English. <laughs> and since the alien, they went into this guy. What? <laughs> well, oh, Jesus. I said... <laughs> <laughs> We promise we'll review that movie. <laughs> yeah, oh, we, oh, believe me. It's coming. Um, anyway, um, Evil Keys shows up. Yeah. And it's Peter Coyote. Yeah. And um, now it's time for a little uh, alien emergency room stuff. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And they got E.T. all hooked up to stuff, and... Uh, 
uh, Elliot's all hooked up to stuff, and they're like, this alien's dying, and he's taking the kid with him. Because they're linked. They're psychically linked, right, Steve? Yeah, and Elliot, it must be said, is armchair doctoring here like crazy. He's like, (laughs) telling the doctors their business. Yeah. You're killing him! He says that about 90 times. Yeah. Could you sedate that kid, please? Mm -hmm. And then uh, Keys comes up, and he's like, hey, I'm not evil. (laughs) Yeah. By the way... I'm going to pop that tension balloon right now. I'm not evil. I kind of wanted to meet him. And boy, I'm glad he met you, you jerk kid. You just, yeah. you fucking, I, ooh. Anyway. <laughs> you I'm really better. messed this up. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I had an alien that would called me by my first name. God damn it. Yeah. Oh, it's, only been, <laughs> it's only been my dream since I was a kid, but that's okay. Uh-huh. And then E.T. separates himself from Elliot psychically, right? Yep, yep. And he's like, peace out, and he dies. <laughs> and he dies. And if you were uh, alive in 1982 and in a movie theater, you watched an audience full of people completely lose their shit. <laughs> like, completely lose their shit. Everybody. Yeah. Only someone with a heart of stone like Steve could sit there and go, oh, yeah, well, that's a- I was sitting there upsetting. at three years old with my arms folded impatiently. <laughs> <laughs> All right, come on. Can I go back home and play He-Man? Exactly. <laughs> I think our I think our child is from the devil, honey. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying He-Man would have solved this whole situation in 20 minutes. Yeah. But he doesn't die right away. They start right. working on him. Then we cut up to Mike, who... Uh, Sits down in the closet where E.T.'s bed was, and he looks upset, and he, he goes to sleep. And then he wakes up the next morning, and he sees that there's this thing of flowers that Gertie brought him that we forgot to mention. Yeah. About this thing of dying flowers, and E.T. has made the flowers come back to life because he's a botanist and he's magic. Yeah. And then Mike sees the flowers dying, and he's like, oh, no! And we now we cut back down, and it's taken E.T. all night to die. <laughs> Isn't that nice, kids? He lingered. Uh huh. Now I'd like to say that we now have this. We now have. They have to draw out the misery of this fucking death for as long as they goddamn can. So, oh boy. Uh, the, uh, Et and and Elliot are no longer telepathically linked. They say, "Get the fucking kid out of here!" So they whip him away. He's screaming that everybody's killing him. Meanwhile, they're doing. They're doing emergency triage on E.T. trying to yeah. keep him alive, not knowing what the fuck they're doing or how he's made. All they've managed to do is is determine that he has DNA, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. He, hey, he's got DNA. Yay, that, he's dying. <laughs> I don't know, hit him. I don't, I don't know. Yeah. Punch him in the chest. That always works when Dr. McCoy does it. Yeah, and they're doing all this stuff, and I would like to point out that this happens with all of the civilians watching. Elliot... His brother, yeah, his little sister, yeah. <laughs> and his mom, his mom, all watch them. So when when Steven Spielberg, that sadistic, depressed jerk, decides to break <laughs> out the the paddles to try to shark shock ET's heart back in shot in place, he cuts immediately to Drew Barrymore, yes. who reacts to the shot and starts to cry. Fuck you, Steven Spielberg. <laughs> There's no reason why any of them would be in that room right now. <laughs> But I guess he just wanted to make sure that Gertie would be traumatized for the rest of her life and wake up screaming every once in a while. <laughs> Mission accomplished. <laughs> so then E.T. dies. Yeah, finally. For, for real. Well, sort of. 
And Mr. Keys goes up to him and he says, would you like to say goodbye? And he's like, you're going to cut him up. And he's like, Wish, oh boy, we are. Well, yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> we want to find out what makes him glow. And they they're put, they put him into his little ice coffin that has yeah. a window on it. And he has a touching scene where he says, oh, bye to E.T. And then he tells E.T. that he loves him. And it's through the power of love, I guess. <laughs> yes. Now, remember when I told you that there was this pot of flowers that E.T. brought back to life and then the flowers died? Yeah. Well, apparently the flowers wanted to witness E.T.'s death, too, because they left the the, <laughs> the the closet upstairs and came down into the surgical area where they were keeping E.T.'s body. Yeah. Somebody wanted to make sure the flowers were there. Yeah, someone wanted to make sure that this pot full of dead flowers came downstairs and then they stuck it into a room that is... Oh, fuck me. <laughs> that has been sealed off to prevent contamination. Someone brought a pot a of pot flowers. Of a literal bowl of dirt. And I would like to also reiterate, someone, because it's not explained how they get down there. No. Or why? No. Was Somebody... Mike so upset that he came down and said, I know these plants. Flowers dead and oh no. <laughs> Mike, the flowers should be here. Go get the flowers. But it turns out that E.T.'s alive. Yeah. And he, his, he, he turns on his heart light. He turns on, uh, he turns on his heart light. <laughs> Let me put and on he, my sparkly shirt. Anyway. He, Elliot's all happy. The flowers are coming back to life. Elliot tells his brother. They go, woohoo, and they're going to make a plan to get E.T. to fuck out of there, right? Right, because they don't tell anybody else that E.T.'s alive. Elliot closes him back in the ice coffin, and then he's like, we're gonna, we're gonna steal we're gonna him, and we're gonna here. bust him loose. Just like any kids do, because apparently, oh boy, they lost a lot of their funding after the incident at Devil's Tower. <laughs> yes. <laughs> They're staffed by idiots. <laughs> it's a pretty slipshod operation. <laughs> anyway, um, so, what happens? He changes his clothes and they wait until they get E.T.'s coffin into the van. Yeah. And because they absolutely do not sequester these the kids or the parents off, he has free run of the entire place. Yeah, he basically just walks through the, the tube into the back of the van. Yeah, waits till the guys to go, well, this is the most important discovery ever made. Let's just leave it here with this child, who was obviously <laughs> child traumatized by his death. No big and deal. And we'll go, well, we'll have sandwiches, right? Yeah, I think it's sandwich time. Apparently. And uh, Mike is in the front of the van, yeah. disguised in like an isolation suit. And yep. uh, uh, finally, one of the adults notices that maybe it's a little odd for a child to be behind the, yeah. the wheel of one of their vans that has the mm -hmm. alien in it. Yep. And he's like, and, hey, uh, get out of there. But and Mike's he's like, like, I've never driven. And then they take off dragging the, the tube. Yes. With a couple of scientists inside of the tube. <laughs> Sorry, guys. He stops and tells his friends, his jerk friends that we met at the beginning, Yeah. hey, we're, meet me at the park. And they're like, okay. <laughs> and then they take off again, and they're driving, and for some reason, Mike doesn't know where the park is, or where the elementary, or the preschool, or anything is, really. I don't yeah. know what happened. <laughs> yeah, he's, he just never was paying any, any attention to that stuff. You know? Yeah. But they, they ditch all the guys that get to the park. Somehow, his friends have managed to bring conveniently bring two bikes with them. Yeah. I guess because they knew they'd need them. Those are the very thoughtful, forward-thinking friends. Yes. But what a great what a great plan. Let's abandon the thing that can go 80 miles an hour. <laughs> For some bikes. <laughs> For some bikes. 
And then E.T. The, the e. shows up in the back of the thing looking like Christ. And he's yeah. like, hey, buds. And the guys are like, ooh, alien. And they're like, we're getting out of here. Star Trek reference, kind of. <laughs> yeah, somebody mentions, why can't he just beam up? Yep. And now we have an epic bike chase. Yeah. E.T.'s in his little milk carton. They're all riding around getting chased by cars and doing dirt bike stuff <laughs> and oh no they're almost getting caught steve yeah oh no there yeah there's a roadblock how are they going to get Kinda, past that yeah and all the guys have guns yeah if you if you saw the wrong version of this none of them have guns but they still have their trigger fingers on triggers <laughs> <laughs> they have strangely designed walkie-talkies <laughs> yeah in one of his weaker moments steven spielberg listened to george lucas and I uh, decided, hey, I'm going to make a friendly, I'm going to butcher my classic movie, and I'm going to take all the guns out of the government guy's hands, and I'm going to put walkie-talkies there instead, even yeah. if some of the guys have walkie-talkies in one hand. <laughs> they got double walkie-talkies. It was two fist and walkie talkies today, Bob. <laughs> it was it was well intentioned, but it didn't turn out. It just it it, it wasn't really necessary. I mean, the, <laughs> no. the, the the presence of firearms in the hands of government agents wasn't really. Mm-hmm. I mean, nobody gets shot. It's you know, it's not. A but it was the movie. same idea they had behind. Oh, we'll spiff, spiff up some of the special effects. Yeah, we'll we'll make ET into a into a fucking CGI effect a couple of times. Yeah, and we'll just make things infinitely better. Yeah, and then Steven Spielberg saw it. Then he heard the reaction from people, and then he apologized and he removed the fucking yeah. version. He did what George <laughs> Lucas should have done. Yeah, <laughs> George Lucas was the only one who liked the new version. Like, I really like the new ET, Steven. Yeah, I really like it a lot. It's really good. Can you put this girl duck in it? Oh, God. <laughs> and that was when Spielberg, the, the fucking color drains from his face. And he's like, what have I done? <laughs> anyway, so they're about to get caught. And E.T. goes, watch this. And they all take off into the air <gasps> they on do, their bikes. They do flying. that. <laughs> they do that thing that they already did. Which becomes the basis of the theme park ride. Yeah. Which I've been on. And um. it's a horror show. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, if you ever want to find out what it's like to get an immediate migraine, walk into a giant warehouse where they have the E.T. ride, where for the forest part, they've piped in pine smell. Oh, boy. Which doesn't smell like pine after about three and a half seconds. It starts smelling like asphyxiation. Oh, boy. It starts to hurt your head bad. Anyway, um... (laughs) They fly through the air. Uh, all of the stupid kids continue to pedal for some reason. <laughs> you don't have to. You're you're not making the bike. You're go not at in this control point. of this, moron. <laughs> <laughs> but they fly, and once again, instanite. They're flying. Yeah. It's kind of getting close to sunset, but by the time they land, the sun is gone. Right, Steve? <laughs> it's like 11 p.m. <laughs> <laughs> they go back out to where ET's little communicator device is. And, oh, look at that. <laughs> it's a spaceship came back. Hey, perfect timing. Cool. And um, now it's time for Steven Spielberg, who wasn't quite done with people crying yet. <laughs> time to really break their hearts. Time to smash it into teeny tiny pieces. <laughs> <sighs> so, uh, yeah, everyone says goodbye at the end. I mean, that's that's the short version. Okay, now here we go. All right. 
Um, E.T. says goodbye to Gertie. Yeah. Because, oh yeah, that's right. Gertie and Mom and her new love in- interest, Mr. Keys, yeah. have all gotten into a car together, and they've managed to go out. And Gertie seems to know where they are, even though she's never been into the forest, or been to the place where they set up the thing, or any of that stuff. Gertie led them into the exact place they needed to be. Right, Steve? She's precocious, I told you. Are you sticking with it? That's that's, that's my story. Okay. Anyway, so she somehow managed to find the place where the aliens were landing. She comes up. She says, bye. E.T. says, be good. She kisses him on the nose. It's adorable. He says, thank you to Mike. Mike says, you're welcome, and gives him a touch. And E.T. acts like he's going to get hit and then (laughs) accepts it. And that was never established in there that Mike refused to touch E.T., and that would have made a much stronger, much stronger scene yeah. at the end if he was like, "Ugh, I'm not going to touch me. It's gross." But that was never done. And then <laughs> uh, Et says goodbye to Elliot, and they effectively rip out everybody's hearts and stomp on them all over the floor. And says, "If you're not crying now, you're not a human being." <laughs> Et asks him to come with him. Elliot. Pretty showing a lot of yo boy, he's smart at this scene. <laughs> nope. <laughs> Although I don't see why he stayed, unless Spielberg was like, you know, I got a lot of shit for the main character leaving with the aliens in the last movie. <laughs> now we're talking about child abduction. I don't know yeah, how this Maybe work. not. <laughs> so Elliot says, no, I'm staying here. And he's like, okay, fine. Bye. By and as he's going up there, their dog, who we haven't really seen a whole lot of, somehow, somehow, magically appears. Yeah. Oh, they brought the dog to say goodbye, and he wasn't in the fucking car, was he? I don't. Why would and you even bring if he was? Anyway? Why would he be in the car with them? She's like, wait, before I can find my son, before he takes off with the aliens, I gotta bring my dog, okay? And Keys is like, fuck me. He'll get in the trash if we don't take him with us. Somebody has to be here with him. <laughs> All right, go get your dog. I need my dolly. Oh, God. Oh, okay, Jesus. Oh. And the also this potted up. plant. <laughs> oh, that's right. Gertie gives him the pot of flowers. Yeah, that's right. And, and he he's takes like, the pot of... He's when like, he turns around and he's walking like to the ship, he has the, he's holding up the pot of flowers like, look what I got, guys. <laughs> it worked. Check it out. Flowers. <laughs> you told me I couldn't get potted flowers from the, the fucking filthy apes that live here. <laughs> Someone owns me 20 Grignacs. <laughs> Catching. You died and came back. Was it really worth it? I am addicted to gambling. <laughs> no one tells E.T. that he can't do something. <laughs> Maybe next time you won't fuck with me. <laughs> anyway, so the dog shows up, just, you know, vorpal warps, in, and then just yes. says goodbye. And then E.T. gets in the ship, the gangplank goes up, the thing closes, the ship takes off into the sky, it farts a rainbow, the end. <laughs> but All the characters it's done are to the, the most backwash. No. bombastically loud music you have ever oh. heard in your life. Yes. Someone on YouTube did a version of this ending without the music, and boy, does it lose a lot. Huh, Steve? Oh, my God, yes. Absolutely. The end. Yeah. So, Steve. Yes. How do you feel about this thing? (laughs) This sci-fi drama family coming-of-age divorce movie (laughs) at the extraterrestrial (laughs) 
<laughs> Eaten the extraterrestrial. <laughs> um, I will say, okay, I want to. I, I want to talk about the, the the good stuff and the bad stuff. And I overall, I like this movie. Um, I was not. I didn't see it when I when I was a kid because um, I was three when it came out, and or two actually. I was two when it came out. Um, and I had I I had ET pajamas, but I never actually saw the movie as a kid. I didn't see the movie all the way through until I was older. So I'm not <laughs> I don't have like you know an early coming of age ET experience to sort you of you saw it on to. video or on HBO or something. Yeah, yeah, and so I liked the movie. And there's a lot about it that I really appreciate, and it does things that, in in a lot of ways, I wish movies would do more of. And the the big thing that I appreciate about the movie is its sincerity. It's a very sincere movie, and it wants the audience to f- it it wants to move the audience. You know, it wants its audience to feel things, to feel really, really big emotions. It wants you Boy, to be happy. It. it wants you to be sad. You know, it wants you to feel sympathy for the characters, especially for E.T. And I like I like the earnestness of it, you know. Mm-hmm. And I, I like that it's pretty straightforward. It's it's a very uncomplicated story. There's not a lot of twists and turns. And the few twists and turns there are actually work really well because I love the reveal that the government people aren't evil. You know that Keys isn't like a villain. He's actually a good guy. Yeah. And that, it kind of ties into what Spielberg did with Close Encounters, where it turns out you know the aliens aren't a threat. The aliens are like you know a, a friendly presence. Um, and neither is the government for them matter. Yeah, yeah. It's just you, the the typical you know bad guys in a movie like this are flipped, and they're actually for the most part benevolent. You know, like mm-hmm. the the government people in ET. There's keys. There's the doctors who try to save his life. You know, Elliot kind of freaks out at him, but you can't really blame them for anything they're doing. They really seem like they're trying to help. And mm-hmm. when E.T. apparently dies, they seem kind of upset, you know, like it's yeah. it's, it's a nice switch from movies like this where the government is always like, you know, oh, they're going to take him and experiment on him and they're they're the bad guys. Um, and I really like that. And you know, it's uh, it's <laughs> I joked with my wife when we were watching it the other night, but I'm kind of serious. It's Drew Barrymore's best performance. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, she she is really good in this movie and uh, all the kids are like the, the performances are, are good. Um, and it, it, it works, you know what I mean? Like it does get to you. Like you feel sad when E.T. dies. You feel sad when E.T. leaves. Like it, it really works. So it accomplishes what it sets to accomplish. And, you know, the, the big famous shot of the bike flying across the face of the moon, like that is a mm-hmm. gorgeous shot. That's a really, really nice shot. And that's, and that first sequence of the flying bike is a really nice sequence. Um, but it's, you know, it's this is the movie that people point to when they criticize Spielberg for being sentimental and shamelessly manipulative because that's mm-hmm. what this movie is. This is a yep. an extremely sentimental and an extremely shamelessly manipulative movie. This is Spielberg at his at his worst as like the Hitchcock of sentimentality. Like he uses every cheap <laughs> trick that you can use to get the audience to feel sad or to feel happy or whatever. Like he, from uh, an alien that is designed to be vulnerable and and fragile and look out of place and lost so mm-hmm. that you will you know with the big eyes and the small frame and the wobbly walk like you how can you not feel bad for this alien the movie begins with the little guy being left behind he's all by himself and look at like him like a baby yeah it's like how can you not feel bad for him of course you mm-hmm. you you know you want you feel protective of him and it's it's smart it works but it's also kind of a cheap trick because it's like well, of course you're going to feel bad for the adorable 
little alien all by himself. Yeah. Um, I mean, what if it had been one of the aliens from District 9? <laughs> exactly. Come on. Like, I, I don't know. I think he could take care of himself. <laughs> but, you know, so there's stuff like, and the John Williams score, which is gorgeous, but is also incredibly heavy-handed and incredibly oh boy, present. Like you he were, go overboard. Oh, like you were saying about the, the, the final scene. I mean, the, the, in terms of the themes and in terms of the music, like it's some of John Williams' best work, and it's some of certainly his most recognizable work. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, it's it's laid on so thick. And there are several very important scenes, including the first bike flying scene and the, the death scene and the goodbye scene, where it's like, if that music isn't there, you lose at least half of the There's impact. nothing there. It's yeah. almost as if the movie was written for there to be John Williams soundtrack yeah. here. Yeah, the the score does so much work, and it's and you know again like I can't fault it too much because it does work. Like it does. It na- is a movie. I mean, yeah, he's showing, not telling. But in this case, he's also relying heavily on the soundtrack. Yeah, to manipulate our emotions. Exactly. The sound be, be, because the score is so emotional and is so romantic and is so evocative. Like the the music is kind of telling you how to feel. It's mm-hmm. it's it's pushing you toward no this is sad see how sad it is this can is... i interject a little yes please right here yes please um you compare and contrast this with um the soundtrack that john williams did for close encounters mm. the final sequence of close encounters there is a massive alien ship spoilers massive <laughs> alien mothership taking off and flying into the night sky right yeah the soundtrack for that is less bombastic yeah. Then this arguably smaller film in which a tiny ship and a small group of basically family members watches the ship take off, right? Right. It's almost as if Steven Spielberg, when he has a lack of one side or the other, he replaces the other side with music. So yeah. he had the visuals at the end of Close Encounters, which are arguably, they still hold up today. Yeah. You had this fantastically this this it was all there visually so he pulled back from the score but when he didn't have it visually at the end of this film he amped the score up to 11 oh boy to convey the same kind of basic feeling yeah aliens leaving <laughs> yeah yeah and i mean all I, i'm pretty much done with what i had to say all i all oh, okay. I'll, all i'll add is it's i mean i it's it's a good movie. I, I I I mean to give it a positive review here. I did like it. I did enjoy it, and I do. Un- I I definitely understand why it is beloved so deeply by so many people, especially people who saw it when they were young and remember that mm-hmm. experience of having their hearts broken. You know, when ET dies, and then again when he leaves. Um, mm-hmm. I completely get that. Um, but I can't. As an, looking back on it as as an adult, I can't help but notice as I appreciate how well it works. Also seeing how heavily. Spielberg is leaning on the, those crutches that he leans on as a filmmaker from time to time that are mm-hmm. that are used to criticize him, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, yeah, he he definitely made it work, and the movie is good, but he had to take quite a few shortcuts <laughs> to get yeah. it to work. And I, I I detract I deduct a little bit for that, but overall, mm-hmm. I, I think it's a good movie. So there you go. Okay, so I have a <clears throat> weird relationship with Spielberg. <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> Simply because I like his films. I do. I like his films. But I hate the way he has gotten me to like them. Oh, uh, yeah. Because it is very manipulative. And I don't like seeing those strings. 
I definitely don't like being... I, I would argue that Steven Spielberg isn't a great filmmaker. He's a very clever filmmaker. Mm. Um, and he also borrows heavily from the people who influenced him. Um, he actually shows it in this movie because he's showing scenes from The Quiet Man. Yeah. Um, over overriding that scene where Elliot kisses the girl. Now, there is a little tiny scene after that that informs the audience that everything is okay with the little girl because it's a ground-eye view shot of the girl's feet. You can see Elliot being led away by a teacher in the in the background, and she kind of turns her heel a little bit, which means that she was she liked the kisses. Oh, boy. Right. Oh. <laughs> that is way old-school cinematography. Like, way old school. Did we need it? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> but he does that shit all... The, this is where he starts... He didn't do it in in, in Jaws that much. Yeah. He didn't do it that much in Close Encounters. But for whatever reason, after 1941, he hit this kind of style that became his style of filmmaking. And, you know, I like... I like all of the Indiana Jones films, you know, with the exception of the last one he made. And and I like almost all... Well, no, I don't like Jurassic Park that much. <laughs> I don't like... I haven't... Well, okay, fine. I like kind of... I, all right, I like some of the films he's made. I don't like all of his films he's made. Yeah. But his style fits so well with Indiana Jones because he's hearkening back to an older time period for yeah. those films. So that language of filmmaking works well with that genre. It's when he starts doing this modern take that you can kind of see where he's borrowing from. Are all of these characters not fleshed out? Yeah, they are. I feel really bad for the D. Wallace character. Her name isn't Elliot's mom, by the way. Her name is Mary. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and she's going through some shit. Do we care? Only as it relates to Elliot, I guess. But she at least bothered to be this woman who's trying desperately to cobble together a life after her jerk husband has left her. But that's only... I mean, so she has some character development. Mike has some character development. Elliot, Elliot, his character development isn't nearly as strong, right? Right. We don't get the loneliness aspect of Elliot prior to E.T. We basically spend two minutes with him, and then all of a sudden E.T.'s around, right? Yeah. We kind of pick up on that stuff as intermingled that, oh, we get to discover that after the fact. Like, oh, maybe he's sad because his dad's gone and so he's got this alien thing now that's taking the place of his dad because now he has to kind of be a dad to this alien and it's he's going to develop and all this other stuff. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. My problem with the film is not that it's a bad film. I'm going to say it's a classic film and I'm going to say that I enjoy the film. But, you know, the first time I watched it when I was when I was 13, fuck me, did I never want to see that film again. <laughs> yeah. Because it was, it, he, I was not emotionally in tune enough to control myself. I lost my, I lost, I wasn't the only person that lost my shit mm -hmm. watching that movie. It is, was an emotional gut punch that I don't think anyone saw coming when they went into the movie theater to watch this cute story about a little kid and an alien. No one was expecting to have that heart-wrenching E.T. dying scene at the end. But that's what fucking happened, and it left such an impact on me that I didn't see the movie again for, I think, 15 years. Yeah, I was in my 20s when I saw it again, 
I didn't even watch the whole thing. And now this is the third time, third and fourth time, because I watched it twice, seeing the movie again. And now that I'm older, I, I'm in control of myself. Now I got teary-eyed over other stuff. <laughs> <laughs> like when like when Peter Coyote has his little speech. Yeah, yeah. When Ke- Peter Coyote tells Elliot, I'm glad he met you first, that was more emotionally yeah. impactful to me. Because that feeds a different part of me. That That's backstory for the Peter Coyote character. And it's also kind of nice that he tells Elliot that. Yeah. Um, but, and I know that some people are saying, why can't you just fucking enjoy the movie and just give it Because there's a point to be made here. And that is, it's not fun to be manipulated. Right. It's not. And I think that's what I was feeling when I was when I was a little kid. Because when I walked out of that movie theater and I was having a hard time catching my breath because all I did was weep for the last 20 minutes of the film. <laughs> I felt used. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. If you're going to get your tears, fine, great. That's fantastic. Get them legitimately. But this one, especially towards the end while everyone's saying goodbye, it really felt like, no, they're not done crying. Yeah. We're going to put this in here. Let's amp up the music. Let's get the music. Oh, let's make the music as cloying as we possibly can. Oh, let's have John Williams. John Williams, the shit out of this. <laughs> now I'm going to get my cinematography there. We're going to get these kids that are emotional. Every time we can slap Drew Barrymore in the face and get her to cry, that would be great. <laughs> And it does feel like a cheap. It does really does feel like a cheap trick. Yeah. Oh, and he stole that Gertie reacting to the electroshock thing directly from "It's a Wonderful Life." <laughs> <laughs> because if you guys don't know, he steals like crazy. <laughs> <laughs> he saw things that worked in old movies that he liked, and he puts them directly into his films. He changes them enough to make them his own. That's how art works. Yeah. There's nothing necessarily wrong with it. No. Yeah. So am I saying it's a bad film? No. Am I saying that I won't see it again? Probably not. And that's an honest thing. I don't know if I need to see it again. Yeah. And that's the other thing. Do I need to see this movie again? I know what happens. It's done. It's over. Thank God they never made a sequel. Oh, boy. Thank God. But I do hold a little tiny grudge to E.T. for one other reason, and it wasn't something that it was trying to do. But thanks for infecting the 80s and part of the 90s with this fucking film trope. He's a little boy, and he's a little thing, and they're best friends. (laughs) And he's got to keep a secret from his mom. Even a movie that I arguably like better than this movie, by leaps and bounds, The Iron Giant. Oh, yeah. Yeah. This is basically the same trope. Here's the difference. I cry at the end of Iron Giant because they're not trying to emotionally manipulate me. They put their characters into situations that that legitimize the story. There's no long, drawn-out goodbye at the end. That goodbye has payoffs for both characters at the end of that movie. The end of this movie, those goodbyes are to get you to cry. And that's the difference. I know people are like, oh, God, Jason's going on another Iron Giant tirade. Yeah, well, there's a reason. (laughs) It's a good movie, goddammit. The end of the Iron Giant, that's a pivotal moment for both characters. Yeah. Both of those character arcs complete in those moments when they have to make a decision. And fucking, I'm going to cry right now. When (laughs) the fucking giant, if you haven't seen it, we're going to review it for our birthday because it's not considered a classic film. (laughs) And we're going to cry for the whole fucking night. I'm announcing it now. Iron Giant is a birthday film this year. Our present to ourselves is tears. 
<laughs> but the the difference is is that that moment is the sum of the story arcs and the characters changing over the period of time, coming to realizations about themselves and about each other at that very moment. The end of E.T. isn't. (laughs) (laughs) In point of fact, the end of E.T. comes when Elliot is talking to E.T.'s corpse. Yeah. And even then, what's the story arc for E.T.? Yeah, really. The title character. What does E.T. learn? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) That it's not very nice on Earth. (laughs) Two days on Earth will make you die. My argument is there isn't one. He's a thing. Yeah. He's a thing that we love just like Elliot loves. He has no story arc. Yeah. Okay, fine. He needs to go home. That's a physical thing that he needs to do in the film. Great. But as soon as we know he's alive, that tension is gone, right? Like, right. oh, thank God, he's alive. Yay! And he's all better now, apparently. It was just a fake-out death. Yeah, I Why? guess. Why? <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> Why did he pretend he was dead now? He's really healthy now. Why did he do that? Uh-huh. He's not even wheezing. I don't know. It's just a thing. It's a thing. It's an alien thing. He's great now. Yeah. But the the scene where Elliot is tells E.T. that he loves him, that is the arc for Elliot, and it's 20 minutes before the end of the movie. Everything from that point forward is just wrap-up. Yeah. And instead, what, what Spielberg goes is, no, 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 no. Yeah, they chase him, they get him on the ship, and he takes off. No, we gotta make sure that for no reason, everyone says long goodbyes to E.T. None of the metal detector brigade shows up. Yeah. <laughs> With helicopters and shotguns and bazookas <laughs> and everything else. Just the nice guy that we're introduced to, who's not going to get on his walkie-talkie going, they're trying to leave. They're, they're, they're trying to leave. Nuke the town. <laughs> I need air support. They stole some flowers and they're trying to take off. <laughs> but arguably, it is that last 20 minutes where we have this tacked-on tearful goodbye on top of the already tearful E.T.'s dead thing. You know, they could have ended the movie with E.T. being dead. Yeah, the story was over at that point. The story was over at that point because Elliot had had his realization. He hugs his mom. They leave. They pan out. They cut up E.T.'s body. They probably (laughs) eat parts of it. The end. Happy ending. He's like, yeah, we're going to have to cut him up and we're probably going to eat parts of it, but I'll be really sad about it. I'm sorry. (laughs) I'll be crying as I take that first bite. I really wanted to know him when he was alive. It was whatever. I'm not going to not eat the alien. I expected Keys to run into the ship, grab a hold of the tree in the Arboretum, and say, I'm not leaving. (laughs) Take me with you. 20 years ago, my father got onto a spaceship and he never came back. (laughs) I want to meet Richard Dreyfus. (laughs) Take me to Richard Dreyfus. So, is it a good film? Yes. Do I recommend it? Sure. But there are, I'm going to have, there are reasons why it is not a movie that I watch on a a regular basis. And that is because of the manipulation part of it. So, Steve, classic or not classic? Oh, yeah, I'll say classic. I think we see it pretty much the same way. I'll say classic with reservations. And I'll say uh, not even even in the top five of my favorite Steven Spielberg movies. Uh, No. But certainly a classic movie. Yeah, I'll agree. Classic movie. Thanks for all of the garbage, the garbage copies of this movie in the 80s. Yeah, but, which yeah. which I'm going to talk about one of them in a second. <laughs> oh, goody. 
And now it's time for us to not recommend something. Yeah. Whenever we whenever we do a movie that we like and confirm as a classic, we like to not recommend movies. And Steve, mm-hmm. what movie are you going to not recommend this you, time? You know, there's really only since since I did like ET, there's really only one movie that I could possibly choose for my not recommendation, and that is probably the most infamous of all of the ripoffs of ET that came later. Um, yeah. It's a movie that came out six years later. Yep. That was that that was directed by nobody and starred nobody, uh-huh. and it's called it was a commercial vehicle for. It McDonald's. was a commercial for McDonald's, and it's it even has part of the name of McDonald's in the title. Of course, I'm talking about Mac <laughs> and Me, um, a really really terrible ripoff, just a shameless ripoff of ET, right down to the obnoxious product placement. Uh-huh. Um, only even more obnoxious in Mac and Me because were it not for the product placement, the movie would not exist. Um, and it's basically the same story as E.T. Kid finds an alien, befriends an alien, except they go to McDonald's and they drink Cokes. <laughs> and uh-huh. The kid's in a wheelchair. The kid's in a wheelchair, so that's different. Mm-hmm. Um, the kid in the wheelchair goes off a cliff. <laughs> And the alien is called, not E.T., but Mac, which stands for Mysterious Alien Creature, which Mm -hmm. is even worse than ALF when it comes to (laughs) weak-ass fucking nicknames for aliens that double as the creature's (laughs) name. Um, Yeah, so that's my not recommendation. It's it's considered one of the shittiest movies ever made. I am sure if they could have licensed it, it would have been the subject of a Mystery Science Theater 3000 episode. I have no doubt in my mind. Sure. Um, it would. In fact, there's probably a riff tracks of it. I haven't checked, but I wouldn't be surprised well, if there like was me. a riff tracks of it. Um, it's a terrible movie. I guess if you're like me and you enjoy watching bad movies, you could watch it for that reason. But if you're hoping to watch a good movie... I would I would recommend that you not watch Mac and Me. So there you go. Okay. Well, you guys know that I like to uh, not recommend a movie from the same year as the movie that we just reviewed. So it's 1982. And, oh, boy, I really wanted to... I was going to recommend you guys go watch Swamp Thing. Ooh. But, yeah, I love that fucking yeah. movie. <laughs> it's so bad. It's, yeah. It's quality cheese, guys. Oh, boy. Quality cheese. Absolutely. And then I thought, oh, I know, I'll recommend The Thing, but we're going to review that eventually because it is kind of my favorite movie of all time. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know how it became that, but over the years, it's the movie that I watch at least two to three times a year, and every time I watch it, it gets better and better. (laughs) I don't know how that's fucking possible. (laughs) (laughs) So, no, but I have to not recommend something. And that was pretty easy, because there's a bunch of garbage. Corbin was still making movies. <laughs> but I'm not going to recommend a Cor- not recommend a Corbin film. The movie that I'm going to not recommend, and I doubt you'll ever find it or reference it or find clips of it on YouTube. I have no idea. But I did see this movie because, as everyone knows, I was a nerd at birth, <laughs> and I kind of watched anything that even hinted at sci-fi. And this one hints at sci-fi, and it's a movie called Endangered Species, Ooh. starring Robert Oreck. And it's about cattle mutilation. Oh, boy. So it's kind of got aliens in it, but it also got black helicopters in it. And it's a piece of garbage, and I wish I could scrub it out of my brain. (laughs) (sighs) It is a boring, boring... I can't... It's just... It's bad. Don't bother. It's boring as shit. It's It's not even bad enough to make fun of. It's just 
fucking tedious. And I don't know why they made it, who made it, who thought it was a good idea. You know, I, some producer walked in and said, got a great idea. We're going to make a movie about cattle mutilation. Oh, it sounds great. <laughs> <laughs> going to be so many cattles mutilated. Uh-huh. And there's going to be black helicopters, too. Great. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck it. Why not? Okay, great. Make it. They made it. I watched it. I regret it. Don't make the same mistake, guys. <laughs> Don't see endangered species. Oh, well, that's it, Steve. <laughs> hey, guys, now it's time to tell you what to watch. And I know some of you are like, Jason said last episode that the one after this is going to be the Love Guru. And we love this show, but fuck you for making us try to watch the Love Guru, Jason. <laughs> You've, you're in luck. You're in luck. You've been saved by a bucket full of sand. That's a deep pull. If you can remember what movie that's from, I'm going to send you a fucking medal. <laughs> I doubt Steve even knows I, what I don't, that's Yeah, from. I don't think I get that one. It's a Das Boot reference. <gasps> anyway. Oh, Das Boot. I'm the cinephile. Wolfgang Peterson. <laughs> anyway, uh, turns out that it's not ten years old yet. Yeah, we still have to wait a few months have to wait a few months and then we can reevaluate if we even want to do the show <laughs> yeah we I, let's just retire <laughs> and we're done let's leave on a high note <laughs> um, so you guys have been granted a reprieve ah. and so i after watching this cloying treacly manipulative movie i started thinking about the people that influence and the movies that influence steven spielberg mm -hmm. and i realized that there's a famous movie out there that I've never seen. And I don't know if Steve's seen it. Have you seen it? Uh, a long time ago. And it was like on TV. You know, like I've, yeah. I've never actually sat down and watched it all the way through, I don't think. Also, it's been about a year since we've done a... Well, we haven't done a real Western in two years. Yeah. We did Old Yeller last year, but that's not a Western. That's a Disney film. That's just people that live in the country. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> that's not a Western. We figured it's time to take down another one of the classic westerns and punch it right in the face and then shoot it right in the middle of town in front of the sheriff. But you never get over something like that. Then we take a gun and throw it down in front of some guy and say, pick it up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, mister, I'm just here to buy some seed. Pick up the gun. I said pick it up. I would like to thank Bill Hicks for that comedy routine, by the way, <laughs> that I just stole. <laughs> anyway, uh, the movie that we're going to review this time is yet another Western. And the Western that we're going to review is... Steve. Shane! <laughs> Shane! That's right, Shane. Steve just quoted the most memorable line from it. <laughs> You might be thinking, the most memorable line is also the title? Yes, indeed. Yep, that <laughs> is. So, if you guys want to get all the jokes and, and watch a movie from 1950-whatever <clears throat> about cowboys and shit... Mm, boy. ...and is inexplicably famous, <laughs> we're going to find out why <laughs> when we review Shane. Yeah. That's it for late seating. 
This has been Jason Harding. And go see a movie this week. And this has been Steve Shives. You must be dead because I don't know how to feel. I can't feel anything oh. anymore. It's, we've been doing the show too long. I'm not dead. I'm alive. Oh. You just don't feel anything anymore because you barely felt anything to begin with, Steve. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm dead inside. You were pretty much dead inside. That's how you introduced yourself to me. Hello, I'm Steve. I'm kind of dead inside. <laughs> You'll be a perfect movie reviewer. I'm incredibly cynical about everything. Perfect. Tell me about your Nosferatu-themed wedding again. <laughs> <laughs> I had a bald cap on and pointy ears. <laughs> Long fingernails. Long finger, pointy vampire teeth in the middle, of course. Werner Herzog conducted the ceremony. <laughs> Do you swear to remain tied to each other until one of you is dead? <laughs> I guess. <laughs> you must make a solemn promise that one of you will lower the other's corpse into the earth. Oh. Be prepared for one to be left behind <laughs> to contemplate the void that they have left. <laughs> there will come a time when the first birds of spring will give you no comfort. Fuck it, we've done it every time Werner Herzog has popped up his head in our reviews anyway. Werner Herzog's E.T. <laughs> yeah, oh, there you go. That It would have ended with E.T. E. dying. And then Werner Herzog's voiceover would have started. Right after he says, I know you're dead because I don't feel anything anymore. <laughs> and with that... Welcome to... He would just walk on, welcome to adulthood. <laughs> Elliot's childhood ended in that moment. Would now be a bad time to tell you that your father is impregnated another woman <laughs> and that he will love that new child more than you as you become but a distant and regrettable memory from his youth. Life is meaningless. There is only the illusion of meaning which we impart to it. Now come, I have piled your toys in the backyard for the ritual burning. Just as when I was a boy. <laughs> and then he would break down crying, going, I can't believe the E.T. is dead. Oh my god! <laughs> starts pounding his chest. Wake up! <laughs> this E.T. has pierced my heart. <laughs> Can't there be one pure, beautiful thing in the world? <laughs> Bye, everybody. Bye, everybody. <laughs>